right, welcome to uh, episode 21 of We Have Such Films to Show You, the Ringu episode. I'm uh, host... Wait, we're doing Ringu? Oh, yeah. Did I... I thought we were doing the Ring Cycle by Wagner. <laughs> you know, I... Shit. I, I actually, I, I had a... I, I've got a Wagner Ring Cycle joke or two waiting in the wings, even. Uh I actually, I, I, I briefly, I don't even remember why uh, I had this thought, but I had the thought of like pretending that I didn't watch The Ring uh, and instead had watched uh, Lawnmower Man. Because <laughs> uh, I had this theory, uh, what if every single time a phone rings ominously in a movie, it's actually the Lawnmower Man calling? Like, is that, that, that's it, Job's thing from the ending where he makes all the phones ring? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. At the end of The Lawnmower Man, uh, previous gardener Simpson Job has been turned into a incredibly brilliant mind by the uh, the, the scientific experiments of uh, James, James Bond. Bond. And uh, <laughs> we both went there. Uh, and uh, so Pierce Brosnan makes him super smart, and then he gets all up in cyberspace and uh, becomes a sort of like budding cyber god. And, and at the end, Pierce Brosnan's trying to destroy him by preventing him from escaping out onto the internet. And it seems as if he does. But then, as Job threatened at one point earlier so that the scene could work, the last bit of the film is every phone on the planet ringing at once because Job's calling because he's now, he's, he's the cyber god uh, under the digital surface of the world. And so, so anytime a phone rings ominously, it's not, you know, somebody calling to threaten you or uh, Sadako uh, threatening that you're going to die in seven days. It's, uh, it's Lawnmower Man calling. So this film is really just one of several films that is a spinoff of The Lawnmower Man is the lens I think we should look at this all through. I think this lens we should look at all of life through. I think this is, this is a great way to establish a religion. It's the what, lawnmower what, man. What, what happens when light glints through a lens? You might see sort of a ring of light, you know, around the, the lens. Yeah. Or you so, might see a lawnmower. Yes, or a lawnmower. So it's a little bit harder to work in lawnmower iconography, I think, into, into random films. Like, you know, no one, there's not a lot of idioms about lawnmowers. That's that. That's true. I mean, um, I can't think of any. Yeah. So rich cultural her- heritage lawnmower man is, uh, I think, the thesis. Would have been a great little spot there for yeah. a joke if either <laughs> of us would have been able to think of one. But that's that's the sound. That's the sound of of failing to uh, think on our feet. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> lawnmower man is a little above our uh, our experience level. I mean, lawnmowers are above. Not Lawnmower Man. We should do Lawnmower Man at some point. That's we, technically a horror movie. You, you know what else I was thinking we should do at some point? Lawnmower Man uh, 2? <laughs> yes, you, you, you are, you're, you're right on it. Uh, <laughs> dear <laughs> Lawnmower Man 2. John, dear John. Um, well, I could go in a few different directions there. Um, no, I was going to say, we should, we, we should seriously sit down and watch and try and review, as a horror film, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Because... Large Marge is kind of freaky. Yeah, and the whole thing is the whole thing is weird and off. And you know, I saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure as a kid. We will eventually talk about Ringu, I'm sure. But I saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure uh, as a kid a bunch of times, and I liked it, and I sort of got that it was funny. I mean, uh, most of the film is funny, and the bits that aren't funny are actually just sort of melodramatic for the joke of it being, you know, weird tonally. But as a kid, I'd never seen like any other Pee Wee stuff before. I saw that movie. You know, I hadn't watched Pee Wee's Playhouse, uh, and even when I had, that was still kind of weird. I'd certainly never seen the earlier stage stuff that was you know much oh, less the, like kid the targeted. hbo special yeah yeah, yeah with uh, lawrence fishburne at all um 
so, you know, I had no context for Pee Wee Herman, so I didn't really have a context for the odd, surreal uh, nature of the humor. So watching it, I was kind of watching this weird movie straight-faced, you know, and so it was always a weird kind of strange experience. I didn't quite get what was going on with some of the character motivations and whatnot, and, and, and I didn't totally, you know, I was, I was too young to really properly appreciate some of the... Uh, some of the jokery in there in terms of just sort of like, you know, meta humor and whatnot. Uh, so it was always like, it, it was always a slightly troubling film, even though I liked it and watched it because I thought it was fun and funny. You know, I think that's maybe why I watched it as much as I did the one summer I watched the hell out of it because I was trying to get my little kid head around it. It wasn't quite succeeding, right. but I think, I think it could be taken as, you know, just a straight up sort of, horror film study in sociopathy and alienation and whatnot if we wanted to do that sometime just really throw all of our uh faux analytic uh powers at it that's yeah, that, yeah. And, then, and then we could do planet of the, tim burton's planet of the apes and just see how they compare <laughs> um yeah i'm trying to I'm trying to remember the yeah the first time i saw Wee's big adventure i had no idea what to make of it i was like eight yeah and i was just like this is i it's like i i had a general idea of what was going on at that point i also i kept confusing peewee herman and ed grimley because i i remember ed grimley no nobody no of course not the hell's ed uh, grimley? I'll, I'll google Talk. it was uh it was it was a uh, i think it was like a sctv character by um oh martin short okay yep I there did, we go i didn't know his name and he got his own cartoon um and yeah so for a while, I thought it was an Ed Grimley movie, but it, but it wasn't. And then, and then I think when I was like twelve, I saw the uh, HBO stand. I'm just like, oh, I see what's going on, kind of. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I want to say there's some, horror. <laughs> yeah, just just really briefly looking at uh, the Ed Grimley character, I, I want to say there's some sort of weird Venn diagram we need to put together of Pee Wee Herman, Ed Grimley, and Ace Ventura. There's some sort of the hair, yeah. face, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> so <laughs> Japanese horror films, as you were saying. Uh, yes, easy segue from '90s slapstick comedy. Basically, yeah. So this is uh, we. I guess we should emphasize specifically uh, for clarity's sake. This is Ringu, not the ring, not the. This is the 1998 Japanese theatrical. Release. Not the 1995 TV movie, which is so easy to find. <laughs> well, you're saying you you're saying you've, you found some of it on YouTube. I found a version any... with Spanish subtitles. Well, that's um, Just find a friend who's fluent in Spanish, uh, sit them down, and they can. Oh, yeah. there we go. Okay, I, I found that there's. Okay, so it goes under a couple of different titles. So if you look at look for it under Ring Kanzenban, you can get it. But if you look at it under the full title. Uh, which is just very long. Um, what's the full title of that original TV it's, movie? Yeah, I think I think the full title is yeah. uh, "The Ring," the 1995 TV version, not the 1998 theatrical release. Oh, you wish! It's "Ring: Colon Accident?" Question mark! Exclamation mark! Or "Unnatural Death?" Question mark! Exclamation mark! The young girl whose hatred steals four lives. Wow, that's a little on the nose. That's a. <laughs> I, I think they. I think they went in the right direction by uh uh yeah tamping that down a bit <laughs> and i'm not sure why the japanese exclamation mark translates into an uh question mark exclamation mark in english must be something to do with the uh 
not the tone because Japanese isn't tonal. The uh, the mood of whatever is being said, I guess. Maybe, yeah. Ma- yeah. Maybe there. I don't remember this particularly. When I, I remember question marks. Uh, I, I think they just literally use a uh, uh, Western style question mark. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember. So I I took a couple years of Japanese uh, in high school. You know, so it was you know it's fresh in my mind. It was only like 20 years ago. Um, and and uh, I remember it had a relative dearth of punctuation. The stuff that we learned, like you know, it was mostly taken like uh, from spacing and context. And there was a small circle, not a not a solid dot, but a, a, a circle with a hole in the middle was used as a period as a sentence ender. And I don't really remember so much in the way of other punctuation. I feel like we did use uh, just a question mark for for indicating question marks. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's my story of I don't really remember much. Uh, I certainly don't remember, like, because I want to say maybe they have like a formalized interrobang as an actual non-silly like atomic unit of punctuation, but uh, I, I I don't know that that is the case. So yeah, maybe it's just yeah. reading on the, the emphatic nature of the statement or something. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so that's not the movie we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, not that one, and not not the American yeah. uh, remake in 2002, yeah. the Gore Verbinski film starring uh, Naomi Watts, which I kind of want to watch again now. Honestly, I, I watched this one and I enjoyed it, and I'm glad we're going to talk about it. But now I watching this one as the first one that I watch after not having seen either in a good long while. There are things about the American version that I specifically remember liking. Uh, that are not as present in here. You know, there's... Uh, yeah, this movie is really... I mean, it's it's sort of like a lot of just J-Par movies I've seen in that it's really atmospheric and really just minimalist, and sometimes that's maybe not the best thing. Like, I, there's a lot of ways that this movie could have could have been better, and I, I hear a lot that people... I haven't... I hadn't, I hadn't seen this version before, and I hadn't seen uh, The Ring, the American one, I haven't. I still haven't seen it, and I hear like people say that you know they they prefer that one. I I can see why even without having seen it, just because that there there were some parts of this movie that were just so low key that it it didn't work, or maybe it's like it translates culturally a little differently based on what they're saying and what they're doing. Because there was a bunch of things that like I didn't totally understand what was going on or why they were saying certain things or like the what the mood of certain things was supposed to be. So, uh, that, you know, that might be also a reason. Yeah, I feel like there, like, may, I, there may be some just sort of like characterological subtleties there that are yeah they don't it's it's more japanese cinema tropes instead of american cinema tropes so it doesn't jump out quite as well as it would and maybe it maybe it works much better on a a subtle level uh if you're more familiar with uh that sort of style and and that set of uh sort of social cues and there's also yeah and there's also the problem that we're we're you know translations are necessarily going to be you know they're not going to convey what the original conveyed uh, if they try to convey it coherently in another language as different as Japanese and English are. So yeah, it you know something's lost there too. So I can definitely see why you why somebody would prefer you know like a, a version that they could you know totally get their head around rather than one where they sort of have to struggle and you know admit to the fact that they're they're missing out on at least some of the context of the movie. Yeah. But beyond that, I, I feel like I feel like the American version did. It, it, it was a lot more exciting to look at, uh, in terms of just what they did on screen. The 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 VHS tape contents 
uh, was more extended, more detailed. Um, the look of the whole thing, it was just, I, I feel like, uh, for whatever reason, director and budget, maybe, uh, yeah. it, it got a lot of love in the American remake as far as the look of things. And I think that actually really helped because this is a film that, you know, works well when it looks creepy, when it looks scary, when it looks unsettling. Yeah. So all that said, I, 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 I enjoyed watching this again. And actually, I, I, I think I may have watched the original, like when I first watched this, I may have watched it on, uh, VHS, like from the video store, uh, and 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 so I, I kind of remember this movie looking worse than it did. It actually looked totally fine in this, uh, right? You know, it, it, so so that was. Wait, how did you, how did you watch it? Did you I, did you rent the DVD? Uh, no, I found it on a shelf in a cabin in Izu. Um, oh, <laughs> oh, you mean you mean this time? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I yeah, I, I went and got a DVD from the the, the video store. Sadako can't actually get on a plane or a boat, so you know we're we're, we're safe because we just we don't plus, get Japanese TV here. Plus, she does she does she doesn't have a license for uh, for uh, MPEG compression, so um, I, that's that's the thing I want to talk. I, I don't know if we're ever going to talk like about the movie, the movie itself. But one of the things I think is sort of interesting about this movie <laughs> is the implication of this video cassette uh, for for someone who's tuning into this and somehow has no idea what's the deal with the the ring or Ringu is. The plot is that there is a, a video cassette that shows a uh, sort of disturbing, but only in an understated, surreal sort of way, pastiche of footage. Uh, that doesn't really make any sense. Uh, you know, there's a woman brushing her hair. There's some people crawling around. Uh, there's the word eruption in dancing letters uh, or dancing it's, uh, kanji it, it, as it happens. Basically, if I was like a, a freshman art school video art professor, I'd give it like a B plus being yeah. like, you know, I, I understand why you wanted to make it this short, but clearly you made this three yes, days you ago. Really, you really like to raise her head. And this is your attempt to sort of work in the same medium short form, but without as much attempted narrative, which, okay. Uh, yeah, so it's, it, it's, just, it, it's creepy because it's contextless. It's creepy because you know it's a killer video cassette. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, you watch it, and then a phone rings, and a voice says seven days. And then seven days later, <laughs> on the dot, you die of apparently fright. Uh, you know, they, don't, they never actually reveal what the voice says, because we only ever see people reacting to it. And every time, the, the, I think the one time that, um, you know, in the cabin, when she watches the video and the phone rings and she picks it up, it's just one of those, like, uh, there, there's a there's a repeated like thing where there's non-diegetic sound effects in this movie that are just like things screeching and growling and just just like really really well done like the sound design in this movie is fucking amazing yeah yeah um and but yeah so every time like she picks up the phone like they so they play those sound effects so you never actually hear what's on the other line and you only know that it says like seven days from what people say or from like because she you know she actually repeats it and you know the schoolgirls who are talking about it as a rumor you know talk about it like a rumor but you never actually hear who's on the other line yeah which i thought was pretty interesting which I think I th- I think they changed that in the American version. I think you get a little bit of a voice at some point, but uh, I might be inventing that from false memory. Um, but yeah, so, so so that's the whole thing. It's like you know, there, there's this video cassette. You watch it. The phone rings. Uh, someone, presumably Sadako, the uh, dead girl, uh, says seven days, and then seven days later you die, unless you don't, which is the big twist at the end of the yeah. film. Um, and 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 what I want to talk about a little bit is this video cassette. Sadako is a dead psychic girl, possibly the spawn of a human and a goblin. 
depending on you know how you read this and how good the translation was in the film. Um, and this video cassette is her sort of like poisonous memoir kind of seems like 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 that's my read uh, ultimately right. is that Sadako wants sort of vengeance and she wants vengeance in maybe the primarily the form of her story being known and so she's taken a really sort of nasty viral approach to it by having this infected video cassette exist uh that if you watch it it kills you unless you make a copy of it and pass it on so Basically, once everybody has made a copy of it, or at least half the population has made a copy of it, <laughs> there, there's some math there we should talk about at some point. But, yeah. but basically, you know, as long as you keep passing it on, she won't kill you. So it's, it's, a, it's a really, you know, it's very, very BuzzFeed from beyond the grave sort of uh, dynamic she's going for there. And my question is, the video cassette itself, how... Because the thing is, it doesn't... How did it get made? How did it get made? Well, didn't, you know? didn't they mention in the beginning that, like, some kid recorded it off the air, off a channel that shouldn't exist in Izu? Something about that, yeah. And I was... Well, and, and Okay, so that's one of the things, is so much of this is told through, like, sort of gossip or right. memories and whatnot. It's hard to know what of this is the story of what is actually going on mechanically and what of this is teenagers making shit up as they pass around a game of telephone on some scary story they heard. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. And maybe that's it. But in, if that's the case, did she just, is the idea that she's broadcasting a pirate sadness channel of flashbacks and somebody taped I, it and. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Like I, I, I think it's that there's, there was less overt, you know, her doing this and more that, you know, like somebody tuned into her, like, you know, ghost grief TV signal and the way that it, uh, what do you call it? The way that it materialized itself is as this like odd art school video. And it's just so full of wrath that it kills people unless they pass it on for some reason that yeah. nobody ever really clears Which, up. Yeah. <laughs> because, because then we've got a gimmick. Cause then we've got a <laughs> franchise, baby. Uh, which they never made an American sequel. You know, yeah, they did. Uh, did they? Did yeah. they? Okay, they they made an American sequel. I never saw it apparently. <laughs> now it's I'll called The Ring Two. Oh, how did I forget about that? That actually sounds familiar now. Uh, apparently, apparently, I did not see it. Uh, I should track it down sometime. Actually, so so part of the thing with this is, as I understand it, like the the Japanese sequels and and the novels. I think these were all originally based on. Uh, even before the TV version that's not the theatrical version. Oh, uh, The Ring 2, the American version, was directed by Hideo Nakata, huh. who directed Ringu and Ringu 2. Interesting. Yeah. How about that? Uh, you were saying? I was saying, I, I get the impression that, that, that like, like many horror franchise sequels, uh, these don't necessarily hold up super well as they go into you know, extra innings, but, uh, but I'm kind of curious... Uh, about it anyway, because actually, I, for whatever reason, I really like this this story, this concept. I think maybe it's I'm a sucker for the idea of like you know ghostly media and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I, I should try and check those out sometime. You know, and a thing maybe we should do is just like at some point we should both sit down and watch the American version of The Ring, and we could just do a quick sort of thoughts recap in another episode, like not do yeah. another episode for it, but we can you know talk for about it, comparing and contrast for ten fifteen minutes. Um, that might be fun. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, this video cassette—I I, guess—I guess that's a thing to me. I, I really like the artifact of the video cassette as sort of a central thing, partly because it feels like when you've got this this thing that's this artifact, but it's also just a normal thing. There's mm -hmm. a sort of fragility to the terror, you know. There's a fragility to the whole 
monstrous gimmick. Like, you know, if, if all you have to do maybe is end up trashing the video cassette without having watched it first, boom, you know, that's it. Like you got Sadako's going to be stuck waiting around for someone to be trying to tape something on a channel that doesn't come in uh, at that cabin uh, right. before she's ever going to be able to pull it off again. Uh, so I, 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 I sort of like the idea that there's this Rube Goldbergian uh, silliness behind even being able to, have, you know, exact your wrath. Like someone really, if someone really has to try and video cassette videotape like a baseball game on vacation before you can unleash your wrath upon the world. It, it, it takes some of the bite out of, you know, your traditional sort of horror setup. Yeah. And I mean, you'd think you just, uh, what do you call it? I'm just wondering what happens if like somebody would actually get into like a TV station and air this videotape to like on a large, like, uh, station in Japan, so just like a lot of people see it. You know what happens then? Well, and I think that might be sort of the plot of one of the later uh, films. Um, oh, one, one of the later Japanese ones, at least. I obviously I have no idea what happens in the American version of Ring Two, uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I think that's actually it. Sort of develops in that direction. Is like you know goes from being, uh, which is interesting because the very end of the movie, um, what happens is she, with her ex-husband, our main character, uh, Reiki? Reiki and Ryuji? Uh, I think it was Ryuji. Okay. Um, anyway, they, 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 they go to the cabin. She, she makes the leap that the phone didn't ring. Because he, he, her ex-husband, she has him over. He watches it. The phone doesn't ring. And it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe, maybe this isn't a thing after all. Um, right. And then she makes the connection later on in the film, much later in the film, that the phone didn't ring because it didn't ring in her apartment because it's not the phone near you rings. It was the phone in the cabin rings because that's where Sadako is. And they go and they find the well underneath this cabin where the teenagers had died recently, previously. Oh, I totally missed that part. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if I caught that the first time as well. It, it, was, it felt kind of oblique just rewatching it. Uh, yeah, because I mean, the, when when they go there to to actually, you know, find uh, Sadako, you know, there's like this perilous uh, perilous uh, ship voyage. But when she goes there in the first place, I don't think she ever travels by ship. And I guess, yeah, I mean, you don't see her traveling by ship. She just ends up at the cabin, right? Well, I think they had to travel by ship to get back off the island they had been on. Like they went to right, the right, island but, to track it out, and t- they took the. But ship. the first time she goes to the cabin, when she's by herself, like the first time that yeah. she sees the videotape, like you don't actually see her traveling there by boat. So you'd have to have been paying attention to the fact that Izu's an island or a peninsula. Well, that, or that's something. what I'm saying. I'm, I'm think I'm thinking maybe the the specific like go and find Doctor Iwata or whatever his name was. Um, I think I think he and that place they went to the the house was on like a, a small island. And I think the cabin may have been on a more mainland or peninsula part that didn't require boat travel. So, ah. so they were, they were trapped on the, the island in the shitty weather and had to get back to the cabin, uh, which was on, I'm guessing the mainland. So the, the treacherous ship voyage was like, let's take a ship through a, uh, a fucking typhoon uh, back to the mainland so that we can go to this cabin before we die. Uh, was my interpretation, but I'm not totally sure. It doesn't really doesn't matter a whole lot to the story. The, the main thing is that they make that 
intuitive connection that, oh, this is all about that spot. This must be where that happened. And it turns out that they find that well. That's the well we see in right. the field in the, in the, in the uh, videotape. Uh, but it's been sealed and a cabin built over it. And that's the cabin that the kids saw the movie in. Uh, and then subsequently died a week later. So that, that it's all. We could have been so much clearer about that. Yeah, and I think I think this may be another thing that is a little bit clearer in the American version. Like they, they get a little bit more explicit about okay, this is what's happening, which helps a little bit narratively. Because um, yeah, to some extent, I don't know if this would have totally clicked for me if I was just seeing this fresh without having seen both films previously, and so seeing the story told a couple different ways and, and knowing the the thrust of it as it came back to me. I, I didn't I didn't actually remember that that was the deal with the cabin and the location of the well when I sat down to rewatch this, but it sort of came back as I was watching through it. Um, so yeah, so it was, I, I don't even remember where I started, <laughs> but. Uh, Oh yeah, so so at the end of the film, they they get there, they get to the mm-hmm. well, uh, they get the cover off the well, uh, and she ends up going down at the end, and because they were trying to find her body for not even super clear why, like were they gonna you know yeah. bury it, yeah. burn it, salt it? I don't know exactly. Yeah, I but. just ca- I, I I came like we we spent like you know, just Nikki and I we spent yesterday just hanging out in the house because we both had a really rough week and we've just been watching you know Supernatural like all day and then I went to go watch this movie and I'm just like all right so they're gonna get the bones and they're gonna set them on fire or something it's like no she just sort of hugs her and that breaks the curse but it doesn't well to be fair there may have been some like this may be something that's just more of a given culturally or something maybe maybe like well, and it's not, if it's this, it's not even like so much a cultural difference thing, but the idea of laying the body to rest could be like, you know, we need to find her, we need to give her a proper burial, you know. That's true. Uh, so That's it could true. be that, and it just wasn't explicitly stated, but it's supposed to be sort of taken as that. The fact that she just ends up sort of hugging her may not even, uh, you know, moot that interpretation. It could just be that by the time, like, the, the clock is ticking down, uh, and, and she ends up finding Sadako's body uh, right at the time that she should, in theory, be dying. Uh, and so I think she, we get sort of this trance-like thing where I feel like maybe she's just in a place where she's like, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't like, you know, I'm out of time. I'm trying to do the right thing by this, this poor dead girl. And hey, I found this poor dead girl's uh, body after this poor dead girl grabbed me in the water. I mean, <laughs> like the hand yeah, comes up and wait, grabs did her. Did that actually happen or was that a hallucination? I, it's kind of hard to say. I'm going to say maybe maybe a little bit of both. Maybe it's the, because she's, she's been having these flashback vision type things for the last right. like act of the film. Uh, and, and so it may have been a little bit of both. Like, And she's really in a weird trancey state, it seems like, at this point. Anyway, so maybe it happened. Maybe it sort of happened. Maybe it happened mentally, but that's real enough because Sadako's mental powers, eh, I feel like it's ambiguous. Um, but in any case, yeah, she finds the body. She finds the hair, which is a nice, nice yeah. thing. It's like you, the hair, oh my gosh, and then Sadako's body, and the hair peels right off the, the skeleton and... And it's just a grimy skeleton. Yeah, she hugs it, and and everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. We get nice, happy ending music at the end of a horror movie, which is what should happen at the end of a horror movie, and no one should be thinking that there's going to be a twist coming, because that never happens in horror movies. No. Uh, and and they go home, and, and everything's all right. And, and then Sadako kills her ex-husband 
And, and that's when she figures out, what did I do that was different? Why did she not kill me? How do I save my son? Because her son, Yoichi, also watches the movie yep. a little bit later on after she's watched it and her ex-husband's watched it. And so the whole thing, it feels like to some extent she's mostly driven in this by trying to keep him alive. Um, yeah, at the end, is it sort of implied that she's just going to have uh, their grandfather watch it? I kind of felt like it, yeah. I didn't know how to read that exactly. Because, yeah, yeah, it really felt like, yeah, we just see dialogue of her saying, oh, hi, Dad, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm coming over. Everything's fine. Uh, I need you to do something for for Yoichi. I need you to do something. And is it? I need you to sit down and watch this movie, and yep. and then the 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 cycle can end with Grandpa, who maybe she just doesn't really like very much. I, I, but how would you? But it would have to be the Yo- Yoichi, the kid that shows his grandfather the movie. How yeah. how do you trick ghosts like that? It's just like, here, you put it in the VCR for Grandpa, or, you know, here, you hand this to Grandpa. I think maybe the ghost is happy. As long as it happens, the ghost is like, fine, okay, this this scam is working out for me. But if if it's, um, what do you call it, if it's it's Reiko that shows her father the movie, how does that get the curse removed from her son? Well, and here's, okay, so here's the thing, and this is something that they, uh, again, the, the, the American film does a little bit more explicitly in a way that I think works really well. At, at the end of the American film, we've actually got uh, the kid and, and the mom uh, sitting together, and she literally guides his hand to walk him through the steps of making a copy of the video cassette on you know, a, a duplicator setup at, at her work. Um, so, so, yeah, we actually watch her literally steering him through the process of making the copy, which seems like maybe that's as much as anything the, huh. the secret is making the copy not even the showing. Um, but I don't know. Uh, so yeah, it, I, I think it's like, yeah, he's, as long as he's got an involvement in the process, I guess that's the theory is that's good enough to, uh, keep him. Okay. Right. Um, but yeah, so yeah, again, like the, the sort of fragility of this whole scheme though, cause like, it seems like it'd be sufficient for her to say, Oh, well, this is a terrible thing, uh, that would destroy humanity if it carried on, I sure love my son, but I don't want to destroy humanity. And it's, it's, it's an impossible thing to ask someone to make that decision, but at the same time, it's an impossible thing to ask someone to make the opposite of it. It's, it's total, total trolley problem fodder. Um, and yeah, so ultimately, I think she makes a decision at the end of the film to save her son's life at the cost of perpetuating this, this cycle, this ring, if you will, of, uh, of death. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so so like, like that feels like the whole sort of like moral nut of the film right there. Right. When you look past all of all of the uh, horror trappings and, and thriller stuff going on, is she ultimately makes the decision to selfishly you know protect her son's life while risking things getting out of hand further. And I think that's where the sequels go with it. Is like that ends up being you know allows things to escalate to the idea of like a like broadcast of the film or whatever. Um. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like I have like a coherent uh, like like the narrative of the film is 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 fine, and we, and we should talk more about details of it. But yeah, I feel like I've got like random ideas about this one more than I have a lot to say about like the film as a film. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if you take it just sort of consecutively, like as what it is, there's just not a lot to it. I think it's a lot like um, what do you call it, House of the Devil in that way, but just without the entire, like, meta-narrative of it being a, uh, 
you know, like and an expl- like a thing made explicitly in the guise of another thing. I think this is just like it's it's just something I've noticed with J horror. It's just that it's a lot of times it's just done really really straight. Like it's just you know A to B. You know there's a twist at the end because it's horror, or you know there's a twist in the middle maybe because it's horror. But it's really just you know the the everything's very simple but not like not not in in a way that's saying that it's it's you know they didn't put enough effort into it but just like you know purposefully simple like there's you know there's not a lot of complexity to this movie there's not a lot of like you know the thing that people do is what they say they do there's you know nobody's really trying to conceal anything there's no there's no like conspiracy behind anything it's just you know we got to find out what it is let's ask the questions people answer the questions you know sometimes they're you know more or less reluctant to do so but you know um it's just it's just really straightforward through the, the whole thing um although i just see here here's one thing that i i i don't know if it's cultural or not because the movie just comment does not really commented on all but she neglects the shit out of her son (laughs) like really a lot and and i don't know if it's you know if if just like the you know maybe kids are expected to be more independent over there but this kid's like five right yeah he's he's, and i mean he's clearly like smart he's clearly independent and and like you know precociously responsible and so on but she really just neglects the shit out of that kid and it's never you know it never sort of comes to a head in any way it's 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 always just sort of like an offhand thing almost as if they're just like um what do you call it As, as if as if there's as if they're just trying to use the kid as a plot device, but then write him off because like most of the interaction is, Oh, I'm going to be late again. You know, feed yourself. Okay. Click. Yeah. Well, and her ex-husband calls her on it at some point too. I, 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 I think he makes a comment about, you know, where's Yoichi, you know, and yeah. it's like, he's, he's, he's fine. He's used to being alone, which I think was her like taking a little bit of a dig at him. Like, cause you know, presumably he left is how he, you know, the ex-husband situation happened or something. Uh, since they're, they're still sort of weirdly icy around each other. Um, you know, weirdly icy for a, a divorced couple. Divorced I don't understand couple it. Yeah. who gets along real well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I feel like she was sort of like taking a jab there, but at the same time it works well as a self jab too. Cause she's, she's portrayed, you know, she's, she's a reporter. She's mm-hmm. digging the story. That seems to be her way of being. And then arguably her, you know, uh, tragic flaw is the fact that, you know, she, she chases this thing down, uh, like a story instead of just being like, oh, my, my poor niece died. Yeah. Um, Which is, uh, I mean, she was, wait, she was researching the story before her niece died, right? I think or was she, that the impetus? Because it feels like she had only figured out, like, when she, um, you know, when she sees the, uh, the, the lantern that says, you know, in Memorial CK High School, and it looks like she, at that point is when she puts together the fact that, you know, her niece died because of the thing that she's reporting on. Yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, I think they sort of came together because, like, it wasn't really clear to her why her niece died. It's just like, you know, she died and it was terrible and, and whatnot. So yeah, no, I, I, I think she sort of stumbles into it and makes a connection. And so it's kind of understandable that she'd want to try and find out more. But, uh, but still, that seems like that's, yeah. that's, that's the thing that caused all the trouble for her. And, and then I guess in theory for anybody else as a result yeah. as well. Um, aesthetic thing about I, I, the creepy TV, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, can't, I, I can't come up with a better uh, 
way of introducing this. But but the idea of a creepy TV as part of the horror aesthetic, I I, I think immediately of Poltergeist is like I think the definitive. Yeah, the 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 director actually. No, no, not the director. The writer of the novel that this is based on cites Poltergeist. Okay. As an influence. Because I want to. I'm not. I, I, we, we we could do Poltergeist for the show sometime. I think we've talked about the possibility, but mm-hmm. I'm not super jazzed about it because I kind of remember not liking it very much when I finally saw it years ago. Uh, but but that was like it felt. It, it, I, I remember it as being sort of like a cheesy and I guess kind of Spielbergian movie, you know. Which I, I like. Steven Spielberg makes fun movies, but I don't think he really makes. Uh, particularly, yeah, effective horror movies. Right. And, and the idea that Poltergeist is this classic horror movie feels weird to me because I remember when I finally watched it, I was like, this is, this is kind of cheeseball. This is pretty corny stuff. This is not something I mean, it's, I'm experiencing it's from fear that, it, while watching. It's, it's from that time. I mean, when, when was Poltergeist? Like 81? Well, let me find out. I wish we had a producer. Yes. Yeah, just be like... <laughs> Frank, Poltergeist is eighty two. So yeah, it's it's from that time. It's heading off of, it's heading off of like that seventies thing where you, where a horror movie that like the the only horror movies done straight were like the like super ultra like violent rape revenge kind of movies, and like the rest of like most of the rest of the horror movies were done at least a little winking, even if they had no need to be like a little winking. So I think it's a product of that. Yeah. And, and I, I think it may have been sort of an effects piece at the time. Like I remember by the time I watched yeah. it, I was not particularly impressed with it. Cause I think it was maybe a lot of hand drawn animation as swirly supernatural effects was part of it. But uh, yeah, anyway, so, but, but where I'm going with this is that despite being like totally let down by it when I finally saw it, uh, which similar thing when I finally saw House uh, with Richard Maul as the dead Vietnamese war buddy, um, I was so let down because I always thought that was the creepiest fucking movie cover. The the zombie disembodied hand ringing a doorbell, the tagline "Ding dong, you're dead." I was like, oh sweet, this is gonna be a movie where people get attacked by disembodied hands. It's like a zombie hand home invasion thing, and then it turned out to not be so much. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, Poltergeist. As a kid, I saw. A couple little tiny bits of it. I, I really just the TV scene. I definitely managed to see at some mm-hmm. point when I was probably maybe not supposed to, and that really freaked me out. Like that. That I I thought the the, the TV screen and the little girl with the their back and the hands on the TV with the static in the dark room. I thought that was a really impressively creepy thing. And as a yeah. kid, I kind of assumed the movie was going to be, I don't know, two hours of that somehow. And and so I kind of like that the ring ends up being a little bit more of the movie that as a kid I imagined I would be terrified by because I'd only seen that one tiny little image of it. So, so yes, it kind of, I, I, it's personally meaningful for me that there's that connection there, but, uh, but I'm trying to think of other, you know, speaking of like this movie being terrifying, I, I noticed this and it kind of bugged me because most of the horror in this movie comes from jump scares from non-diegetic sound effects. Yeah. And that was that was kind of annoying where, you know, like there's no there wasn't a lot of like actual things to be afraid of in this movie that weren't like emphasized with with like these dramatic swells. Then you're afraid of the swell and you're afraid of the swell because it's coming at a moment where, you know, it's coming because somebody's in a dark hallway. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, that that, that kind of bugged me about it, Um, which is weird, because like the first time I tried to watch this was pretty like late at night. Um, 
I put it on, and I got to the part where, like, Yoichi's just exploring the house, and I'm just like, hey, this is really ominous, and I'm probably not going to sleep too good uh, if I watch this, you know, alone in this house by myself. Um, and then, you know, when I tried to watch it last night, it was a lot less scary and more just, like, sort of annoyingly scary. Um, but, again, maybe that's... Like, I, I felt like there was a lot about this movie I don't understand, and a lot of me just wants to attribute that to cultural differences, but I, I wonder how much of that is just me cutting it slack and shouldn't be cut. <laughs> because, you know, it's I, I want to give it the benefit of the doubt because it's a good horror movie, but, um, you know, like, is that... Like, you know, that maybe that is... Like, I haven't watched enough, like, J-horror to, to, to know. Maybe, like, is, is that a trope? Like, you know, just creepy sound effects for no reason that have nothing to do with what's on the screen, or... You know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's definitely some very judicious use of short violin stings in the soundtrack, paired up with images of yeah. people who were frightened to death. That uh, it's fundamentally, it's kind of cheesy. You know, it, it, it works, but it is, yeah, it's a little bit hollow because after you already sort of know the deal. Uh, I remember being a lot more edge on edge watching these originally than I was. Uh, you know, revisiting it because it's like, oh well, okay, they're going to find the dead person. In fact. Yeah. In the in the American version, another difference is the people who die, their faces get pretty fucked up. Like they, I, I remember them looking sort of like withered and terrible. And in this, it's just people making a "Oh my god, I died of fright" face. Uh, so I was really kind of expecting at least a sort of visceral "Oh, that's a gross image" when we first saw uh, the the niece Tomoko uh, in the closet where they mm-hmm. you know flashed briefly to where she had died. Uh, but she's just like. Bah! You know, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's okay, just well, yeah. Joker gas death. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, it's still they, sort of a horrific image, I suppose. But yeah. where did they find Tomoko? That's okay. So they must have found like, like, we is did, there like a crawl space under like the no, floor not, in her room? I think it was just a closet. I think she died. She died of fright in her closet, which is weird because we see her turn towards the TV in the living room on the main mm-hmm. floor of her house in the, in the opening scene. She's, yeah. she's been talking, telling stories with her friend and we, it's a real, it's a pretty effective up, down, up, down. I'm scared. Oh, it's a, it's a joke. I'm scared. Yeah. Oh, it's a joke thing that they do. But the, the tail end of that is that uh, her friend goes to use the bathroom and says, don't go upstairs without me. And, and she's like, Haha, and she's in the kitchen and the TV in the living room turns on by itself. And she goes and turns it off. And, and, and then, she turns and looks at something again and the, the, the screen freezes and we get her making a really frightened face yeah. and, and it, it does a sort of cheesy black and white solarization effect on her, her face. And the implication is like, yeah, okay, she's probably getting sadako right there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then later on we get uh, the, the, the reporter protagonist lady is up uh, in her room on the second floor and sort of touches the closet and we get a quick flash of that being where yeah. Sudoku was dead, frozen in fright, you know, curled what? up in the closet. So I, I, my interpretation be, um, is that she she tried to escape. She tried to make yeah, her way upstairs. Because yeah. Ryuji see, does the same thing. Because yeah, yeah. he, when he sees uh, Sudoku, he you know he gets away for a little bit until he falls over, and that that's where she gets. Yeah. Him. So I think so, you know, to, seeing her doesn't kill you. I think you have to be exposed to her for you know a period of time or maybe she has to do some sort of a psychic thing where you know like your heart just explodes from the overload of scaring um yeah so yeah her powers are very ill-defined and not even that separated from her mother's because when we see that flashback so ryuji's psychic is that that's that's the thing right 
I see. I don't know if he actually. That's oh, okay. So yes, this is this is another dangling uh, string here. Uh, somewhere in later in the film, they go to the island with vol- the volcano, trying to track down the situation with Sadako, Sadako, and 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 this family history and whatever the hell happened here. And yeah, they they confront this guy, uh, who I thought. Was the guy the, the guy was the, the doctor the the scientist who was doing the experiment on the mom with the psychic stuff? But he was, I think, being portrayed as just being some creepy old guy who knew something until they figure out that it was him. Uh, but I wasn't totally clear on that. Was uh, it him? I I want to say it was, but I'm not sure. See, yeah, it was a little I, unclear I, to me. I, um, yeah, I thought he was just some guy that knew about all the horrible stuff that happened. Yeah, and I think I think maybe. Maybe he went into hiding. Maybe he went into isolation and sort of tried to put that behind him, and it was him. But I'm not totally sure. In any case, they confront this guy, and and yeah, the ex-husband's all like, uh, "Hey, no, I know something's up because I'm psychic. I can read minds." Uh, which reads to me at the time, I was thinking, "Okay, that's a weird bullshitty line to take." But hey, if you're mm-hmm. going to try and grill some guy who's uh, superstitious, then sure. But then we get yeah, this whole flashback that it apparently is a shared vision of this rather than just us seeing a flashback, you know, as the viewer, we're right. seeing their shared vision where they're sort of like even present on the scene of this 40 years ago, whatever, uh, ESP demonstration that a reporter stands up during and starts yelling his bullshit. And the whole press pool stands up and starts doing that. And then mm-hmm. the, the rabble rouser, the chief rabble rouser falls over dead of fright, apparently, or, in or, like a, like a almost like a Buster Keatony pratfall. Yeah, too. It's, it's that was hilarious. He just like it, it's like Vizzini in uh, that scene in Princess Bride, you know, with the laughing and the never going against a Sicilian, and then he just falls over mid laugh. Yeah, it's really it was a little slapstick, and uh, but he dies, and then everybody's like, oh my gosh, and 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 that's where we see the mom say, Sudoku, you know, you know, what did you do? And it becomes clear that. Uh, the little girl apparently is a known threat. Like the fact that the mom sort of put it together immediately that that's what happened. Right. Um, and yeah. And so they're, they're there and uh, the, the, the main character, she gets grabbed by Sudoku, uh and, and she has like marks on her hand back on the beach in reality after this. So obviously this is, a very uh, a something very real and weird is happening here, and yeah, that's so. So my question there is the same as yours: Is the ex-husband does he actually have a long history of psychic visions and whatnot, or mm. was he just like kind of bullshitting, or was he suddenly feeling a sense of psychicness and just I running with it and saying, so "Hey, I, I apparently have superpowers." Yeah, it, it might not even like be a superpowers thing. It might be like a Japanese again, once again, maybe it's a Japanese cultural thing where just spirituality is treated a lot differently and a lot less connected to, um, you know, like a sincere belief in God and stuff. Where where it's more of like you know an incidental thing that there's you know ghosts and and things like that. Because remember when he's like totally offhandedly says it's like oh you think there's a ghost? Go to a temple, get exercised, whatever. Um, and you know like you you won't see that in an American movie. In an American movie, you'll see you know priests being like oh you know it's just uh, what do you call it? You know it's a, you, the, the Pope authorizes like one of those things a year and clearly this is the one that he should be authorizing but you know it's not because nobody ever believes that it's a demon and over there it's just like well you know it's a 
you, you got house demons. You get a guy comes over, yeah. he waves a thing around. No more house demons. Yeah, it's, an American it's, movie about an exorcism is about the exorcism. You know, it's yeah. it's not you know it's not a casual thing either. Mm-hmm. This is a movie about you know sort of Catholic spiritual horror, or it's not. You know. Yeah, and it, it actually there's a scene in uh, Juon, which is uh, the, the the Grudge that they also remade, and it's uh, kind of like a similar sort of uh, ghost story. But there's this thing where uh, they leave the the house is haunted, and they leave this bottle of sake in there, and anybody who drinks the sake, like some people who drink it, drink it just fine. Other people, because the house is haunted and the sake reacts to the haunting somehow, find it that it tastes really, really bad. And those are the people who would get actively haunted because they're sensitive to it. So it, it, like his ability, like, cause when he comes into the house, he immediately is just like, Whoa. Yeah. Like you see him, uh, he makes an abrupt turn and and opens the door to the room that has the, I keep wanting to say ovular, the, the oval (laughs) mirror, uh, yeah, the, yeah mirror, exactly. the mirror of, of ovulation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the ovulating mirror? Yes. Um, so, yeah, it might be that, you know, like, it's it's one of those, like, accepted tropes that everybody has, like, some sensitivity to be, to, like, the supernatural, and certain people are just a little more heavily attuned to it. So, it's he's not, like, psychic superpowers. It's just, like, he's a super taster, but with ghosts. Yeah, he's on the wavelength a little bit. Uh, yeah, because I, she also, like... Because when she recognizes, like, well, she doesn't recognize him. When she when she's like checking out of the, um, when she's checking out of the cabin, and she's just like, you know, she's asking questions, and there's like that big, big uh, shelf of like assorted, um, assorted videotapes, and like she spots the one, and like the screen sort of like you know flips out with like the uh, the solarizing special effect, yeah, yeah black um, and white grainy zoom in. Yeah, so, and then, like, so that, I, I'm wondering if that's just, like, you know, like, a psychic pang for her, where she was, she's just, like, she's, you know, she's on the trail, she's, she knows the story, she's got the knowledge of what, you know, is going on, sort of, and, like, that's when it sort of hits her, because she's, she's uh, sort of attuned to it as well. Yeah, it is, I think that's interesting, because I had the same thought, it, it feels yeah. a little bit ambiguous, I don't know if we're supposed to read that as just the film saying, oh, hey, she's noticing a thing, or if we're mm-hmm. supposed to read it uh, more literally as her experiencing some sort of yeah like 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 some sort of pang of of resonance with this because I uh, taking that also to the brief flash of dead Tomoko in her closet uh, in her room upstairs in that house when 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 the protagonist open like 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 touches the closet she has that pang yeah. too and it, I, I, it could be sort of yeah the sort of like spiritual you know, resonance or, you know, sort of uh, figurative ectoplasm that uh, Sudoku leaves in her wake or something like that. Right. Um, And that's what, like, leaves the reflections on the TVs and stuff. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Oh, you know what? Um, So I just looked this up. So, and this actually explains the solarizing effect, too. Um, It's called Nensha, which is also called photography, which is the psychic ability to uh, burn an image into photographic film directly from the brain. And so apparently it's like an accept, it's a, it's, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a known phenomenon that this movie takes advantage of rather than, so it's not made up from whole cloth. It's like an actual like aspect of uh, Japanese. Oh, and, and, and Western, um, what do you call it? Woo. Uh, Parapsychology. (laughs) I have degrees in both parapsychology and psychology. Yes. Uh, <laughs> both I, I, which, which would work well with a video cassette theory, too, because, like, if she's then, yeah. like, sort of burning. Um, 
And, and, and that ties well into the uh, distorted photos, which I think yeah. that came up a lot more in the American version. Like, they Did really it, just do it. That was really freaky. I yeah. mean, I know exactly how they made that effect. And, like, you know, it, it's it's just like, all right, you know, you get Photoshop and you, you know, blur it in a circle a little bit with, like, the thing. But I don't know why, but in the film itself, that was scary yeah, as hell. Yeah, it's a really effective uh, effect. <laughs> yeah. Sentences the sentences the rank up there in the the heights. We of the talk English good podcast. We, <laughs> we we make words fun. Uh, yeah, no, I. I it, it, but it, yeah, it was really effective uh, little little thing to pull, and I think that's part of why they used it uh, in the American movie too. Although in the American movie, they also used it a little bit more explicitly in a way they they do pretty subtly in this one. In this one, we see pictures from before and after the viewing of the the video cassette by the teens, and in the before pictures. Uh, their faces look fine, and in the after pictures, you know, on the same trip, even uh, their faces are all distorted. And we see that, and then later, ex-husband takes a picture of uh, of of ex-wife uh, with a Polaroid, um, and and we see that, and her face is all messed up. Um, right. But I think that's all there was in the film with the photos in this version. Whereas in the American version, I think they kept coming back and they really sort of established it strongly that this was almost like a litmus test for whether you were doomed. And they were they sort of actively use it at some point. I feel like, and I think there's a like security camera in a convenience store at some point, and so you get some video f- face smearing and uh, really, really the glitch man segment from uh, VHS. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like owes this a uh, debt. Uh, yeah, in this, that, um, it, it the, sort of the takes grudge that idea did the same thing. Uh, the Grudge also had a had a thing with a, a security camera that was also. I, I actually like the effect in the Grudge better than this one, but um, I'm like ninety. Wait, what year did Juan come out? Because it's, it's roughly the same timing, isn't it? Oh no, Juan was uh, two thousand and two, so eh, four years. Yeah, no, it was then. It must have definitely been. Um, yeah, like well, in, it was. In, this, it was the same. I think it was the same uh, same director who did uh, Juon who did uh, Ringu. I wasn't okay, um, but yeah. Either way, so yeah, they 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 also did like a um, what do you call it a uh, what the hell a camera security camera thing uh, in in that one too where the ghost just oh yeah it just appears as like this hideous like not hideous but just like a black burnt out shape oh, in yeah, uh, the security camera. And I'm, I'm wondering, yeah, that. so that was... But yeah. Anyway, it, it, but, but it, it's a good effect. I, I, yeah. I agree that it somehow manages to be one of the, thing, the things that remained most unsettling to me, re-watching this, going in very prepared for you know, all the stuff that's the yeah. nominally scary stuff in the film. That effect somehow... It's just, there's just some sort I, of body horror thing there that works really well. I mean, to some and, extent... And I, I think it's just because it's, it's so mundane, and the movie... Like, the movie clearly takes place in a time before, like, simple digital photography and, like, you know, photoshopping things in two seconds. Like, if they did that exact same thing in a movie where people were using, like, iPhones and contemporary computers, it wouldn't be that effective. Like, if somebody showed them, you know, another person's like, look, I pulled up their Facebook thing. Look at this horrible photo. It's like, that's just shopped. But, like, in this, you know, she picks up the photos and looks at them. And then, you know, they get the Polaroid out and they watch the Polaroid develop. That I I think that helps it a lot. I I feel... I feel like someone could probably really easily make an app that just Sadako curses up a face. Like that, yeah. that it feels like that could be an Instagram filter. You know, <laughs> it would just do some face recognition and do do some appropriate random smearing. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, Facebook is almost disturbingly good at recognizing faces and figuring out who they are. <laughs> For now, and I'm going to curse all my photos so that I can't be tracked yeah. by the government through image recognition. <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to take a quick swerve here, actually, because uh, the Polaroid thing, uh, the VHS thing, the newsprint thing in this movie, uh, in a way, this film like feels like it's perfectly timed and set as like a love letter well not a love letter necessarily but maybe a a a a, a farewell to the moment of 20th century media like because yeah. it's like 1998 and this is a story where we've got a reporter who go- leafs through newsprint and and we've got a polaroid camera because yeah, how well hanging up gonna... on those things from the, the that i haven't seen since i've been in like a library when i was yeah. a kid well, and to some extent you know yes yeah, I, I haven't been back to the like uh newsprint section of our public library recently, and maybe they're still there because I mean, until you digitize everything, what do you do? But, but maybe they have digitizing them. So yeah, you've got newsprint there. You've got uh, stacks and stacks of videotapes. Stacks and stacks of videotapes. Uh, you got a lot of phones on cords. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there were cell phones in the the film too, but still, a lot of corded phones. You've got mm-hmm. a Polaroid because how else could you immediately see a picture you took? Uh, the whole thing it, it feels it almost feels like media wise it's a little bit older hmm that that dubbing machine oh, yeah. uh, that they were using that you know that actually confused me a little bit. How did Ryuji just know instinctively how to use like a videotape dubbing machine? Because he was clearly experienced with that thing, but he's a math professor. I I don't know exactly. I get the impression that he was at least sort of nominally familiar, maybe just from having been married to her. Like he had you know learned enough random work stuff that he was familiar with the like newsroom dubbing machine and and whatnot. Uh, because, yeah, I'm not really sure. But anyway, yeah, all I, the I, technology I, in this is just, like, it's, 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 it's the end of, like, a lot of it. This movie, like, the, like the time that this movie takes place is the end of a lot of that technology. Because, yeah. you know, in the next five years or so, a lot of it becomes, uh, what do you call it? A lot yeah, of it becomes replaced like, by just a computer. Yeah, and your phone. You have 95% your phone. 95% of it. Yeah. So yeah, somebody it, it, actually... Tweeted like in this, somebody actually tweeted this the other day. It was just a, uh, it was just like a, a, a newspaper Radio Shack advertisement that had you know just like a bunch of like you know all this stuff on sale. We've got calculators and alarm clocks and fax machines and you know uh, word processors and somebody's just like literally everything on this page is now in a phone. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, 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 what you were saying? Uh, basically, just that. I think. I think it's it's interesting, and I'm, I'd be curious uh, whenever I get around to sitting down and, and rewatching the American version, which was like four years later. Because I feel like I feel like even in 1998, some of these things, it really is just the right moment, isn't it? Because I mean, it, the internet was certainly around and starting to make itself very well known. Uh, cordless phones, you know, you know, cell phones were certainly around. Uh, internet on a phone was starting to be a thing that could be around, you know, digital photos, certainly digital cameras very much existed in 98, but none of it had really crossed that line of being really ubiquitous. And I also kind of wonder if to some extent, this is a 1998 uh, adaptation of a 1995 TV adaptation of a story probably written a little bit earlier. Yeah. So, so in 91, all this makes total sense. Like absolutely, yeah. That's right. that's the media from 1991. Uh, did DVDs even exist? When did DVDs come along? Uh, like, uh, I was. They, they yeah. They, they they certainly like as a consumer item. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, man, like yeah, so, around this time, probably around yeah. ninety eight or so, so. so. So yeah, in ninety one, like all of the media makes sense. In ninety eight, it feels yeah. a little bit like really this is, but but at the same time, it works fine with the story if you think in terms of that. But uh, but yeah, anyway, I just I thought that was a really interesting like accidental aspect of the film. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, th- that was another thing. Like for a movie that takes place, you know, in Japan, what we're used to, like Japan, Japanese sort of movies being about. This is really sort of like a, I don't want to say like a backwoods sort of thing, but it's definitely like a more rurally story where like the technology is older, the, you know, like the the way people go about things is older. You don't see like you don't see like all those like Japanese like tropes of like you know neon signs everywhere and like you know the, the like the Tokyo like really condensed streets. This is much more relaxed and looser and like out of you know it's it, it clearly takes place in somewhere that isn't like you know Tokyo or or, or something like that which was kind of nice to see like this like the Japan of you know like it's if you watch an American movie like not every movie is going to take place in like Los Angeles or California yeah. so and if you're not used to like and if you only see like the occasional American film it's like oh you know I saw the Avengers which you know takes place in New York so when you see something that takes place in I guess like the Midwest or or the South it's just like a different cultural experience so it's kind of nice to see that in this just because so much of the um you know stuff that I see from Japan just takes place in or around Tokyo or just another very big dense city yeah um also there was uh and and there was actually you know stuff in rural areas too because all of the uh all of the, you know, like like the boat stuff and the uh, the, the the cabin, those those were all in relatively like rural-ish areas. I guess mountainous because Japan doesn't really have rural areas the way we define them here. Wait, does the word rural necessarily imply farming? Not necessarily. I mean, it's uh, I think you have a sort of a agricultural implication there, just because uh-huh. you know living off the land and right. Well, I mean, it's living off the sea, so it's yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that was actually the one thing. Like the guy was just like, you know, we consider the sea unlucky. It kills several of us every year. I'm just like, you guys, you, you, you know, stop going out on boats on it. Jesus, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, I want to. I, I the actually, sun is unlucky. It shines down nearly half the time that people die. I, I really enjoyed talking uh, about this uh, with my wife while we were watching it because we'd both a scene you know it, it previously. So we, <laughs> neither of us was like, shut up, let me watch the movie. Um, uh, you know, it was much more like really easy to pause and talk about it uh, since we were both sort of reviewing it. Uh, so we talked about it a bunch the other night when we watched it. And then we also had like an extremely dense conversation, like just packed full of random bullshitting ideas we had back and forth like 10 minutes before we started recording this podcast. And so I had to, actually had to sit down and make notes on three different crazy theories uh, about the movie that we had discussed. <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to put them out there. One of them, uh, this is actually not, by itself super crazy is the idea of the contrast between uh, sort of modernity and tradition that ties in a little bit to what you're saying. Like, yeah, we don't have like the hyper, like, you know, techno urban uh, Tokyo rave sort of feel to even the city stuff in the movie, but there definitely is sort of modern uh, single woman, you know, uh, very much ambitious and, you know, employed raising a kid on her own uh, living in the city uh, doing reportery stuff, uh, and, and, and a lot of urban stuff and, and, and kids who have, you know, you know, kid level technology, teenagers and whatnot. Uh, so all of that very, very, very sort of modern stuff there contrasted with like the funeral, uh, for Tomoko is, you know, 
very, very traditionally steeped in large part, although there are also people there who are dressed less traditionally. Um, we've got the going back to the island with the fishermen and the flashbacks to uh, the the psychic lady, you know, 40 years ago. And so the, there ends up being a lot of, a fair amount of contrast between sort of like modern and traditional and sort of, you know, progressive versus conservative things, like just sort of subtly in the film. Like it, I don't feel like they put a huge point on it at any point, but, you know, there's those contrasts in there. Um, and then there's the talk about the sea, and there's the idea that uh, the mom, Shizoku, who killed herself by throwing herself in the, in the volcano, um, she would just sit and sit and stare at the sea. And, and, and the old guy that they pinned down about this, who may or may not have been Dr. Iwata, um, says, you know, he, he listened one time, you know, got close enough to hear what she was saying, but it wasn't speaking any human language. Um, right. So my thinking is she... And she may be frolicked in brine, and thus, you know, goblin. Goblins time. were thine. Yes, were her. something like that. Yeah. Um, so the, the the possibility that the film raises is that Sarako wasn't even uh, the son of Shizoku and Doctor Iwata. Uh, she mm-hmm. was the child of Shizoku and maybe a sea goblin. Like felt like you know right. that could be sort of what's going on there, and that's why everything's so weird. Um, so my theory, my, 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 my theory or our theory, cause I can't remember who of us started down this line when we were talking about this morning, uh, was that maybe, uh, Shizoku, the, the, the psychic mom, uh, was communicating with a sentient psychic sea life and the sentient psychic sea life, uh, is actually some sort of neoconservative regressive life form that rejects the modernity of land walking and says, you know, things were better back in the day before we walked on the land. And so they went back to the sea and established a whole culture out there in the sea. And she's like a star-crossed lover with a goblin from the sea. And that's where Sadako comes from. And when, when the mom kills herself, it's not out of like shame from being hounded or fear from being hounded by people for being a crazy psychic mom of a monster. It's, it's actually just distress because her sea lover moved on and hooked up with some other sentient sea creature. And so her days of sitting by the seashore communicating with it in a weird psychic non-human language thing were over. And she was just so distraught she went and killed herself out of despair. So hmm. that's a theory. That's a theory. And the Sadako stuff is all just a sideline to her actually just being, you know, crushed by uh, the end of her relationship with the, the goblin. So this is just a a, a sad uh, drama about the 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 incompatibility of two people and how love did not let them get over exactly, their their exactly. differences. Yeah, everything else is just a distraction. For that matter, uh, another way of putting this is this is actually a film about Aquaman. Hmm. He never appears on screen, but he's the lover in the sea. He's the Sadako, conspicuous absence. Yes, and Sadako is uh, the the child, the 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 weird selkie child of his mating with Shizoku, who herself is she is a fish born in a human body. So she's got the psychic abilities to communicate with him because he can communicate with fish because he's Aquaman. Uh, man, Aquaman. And and so yeah, and that's so it's basically the same idea, except for we're exchanging uh, some sort of sea goblin for for Aquaman, which I think is just proof that Aquaman is in fact a sea goblin. Is is the takeaway we have here? Well, he is the he would would he be the king of the sea goblins, or would he just be a sea goblin king? It's it's hard to say exactly. I mean, was what was David Bowie? What was uh, in in Labyrinth? Was he? He was uh, a regular goblin king, not a sea goblin king. Well, that's what I'm saying, but maybe maybe there's. So essentially... I, I think he didn't get the one d six bonus to damage from the. Uh... <laughs> 
but he's got higher mobility on water, so uh, or, or, or on land. Yeah, no, no. He's I, got I think, island walk. I, I think okay. So here's what's going on. Ringu is uh-huh. a companion piece to labyrinth. Hmm. Which, which think about it, ring is a different sort of shape than a labyrinth. Uh, the <laughs> they ring, ring are part, different shapes, uh, but 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 the, but they're both shapes that you know describe uh, kind of a nature of movement. Like a uh, ring movement is circular; that come back to where you were. A labyrinth. Uh, can actually do this. You can end up coming back to where you were, but it's a more complex shape. The the Ringu franchise, I guess, is like the spiral is the name of sort of the arc of the stories, as I understand it. So like the ring is just the, the first is, step. It, the, the, it's, it's the, are you talking about the, yeah, the books are ring, spiral, and loop. Yeah. So, so, so spiral is another shape in there. I, I think maybe this is, so so, follow me on this because this totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, labyrinth, I'm with you all the way. La- yeah. lab- labyrinth is the Earth uh, one. Uh, Ringu is the the water one, and there's also a fire and a wind film out there that also have uh, fire goblin kings and wind goblin kings. We just need to figure out what those are because those are the four different elements that make up the four different shapes of the story of the the, the goblin kings. Uh, and these four films are themselves a part of a cycle, a ring cycle, a, a four, a, a, a cycle of four stories. Wagner, these are all, this is an interpretation. This is what I was thinking about with Wagner, right, which you mentioned right at the top. This is all a retelling of Wagner's ring cycle very obliquely as also a story about comic book villains, essentially, as Goblin Kings misunderstand, misunderstood tragic figures. So the question is, from Labyrinth and Ringu, what are the Fire Goblin King and, and the, the Wind Goblin King uh, elemental films that, that complete Wagner's uh, latter-day retelling? Because Wagner never died. I, I'm just making up that part, but uh, it feels like a good hook. The Ghost of <laughs> Wagner is... These, these, these movies are all actually... The, the, the whole thing with Sadako... <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. The whole thing with <laughs> I, Sadako uh, creating the... It's like the being psychic, in a dorm room all over again. <laughs> I know, seriously. Uh, Sadako creating the, uh, the VHS tape is actually just a internal nod by the films themselves, which were, in fact, created by the ghost of Wagner and printed out wholly formed to... You know, mastered DVDs, like everything about like the people who quote unquote starred in them, and what, that was all just built after the fact by the producer of these artifacts, because that's what he had to do to not die seven days later. He had seven days to when Wagner to, to, would murder him. Exactly, exactly. So, so these the other two films, maybe they haven't even come out yet. Maybe that's going to fall to someone else to to create these. Maybe that's why Gore Verbinski did the American version of The Ring, because he saw Ringu, and he's like, oh shit, now the ghost of Wagner's after me. Somebody get Naomi Watts on the line. I've got this mysterious DVD that she's already in somehow, so I need to get her in on this. Otherwise, it'll be really weird. So yeah, I, the other two films, find them, watch them, let us know what they are before before we all die because just by bringing it up now I've probably doomed us all well we wouldn't have watching the, the, the movie have doomed us beforehand uh, no, I think I, I, I think it's a meta level thing again or it's on a longer time scale because these movies have been out for a while yeah that's true maybe it's like a geologic time scale to, to Wagner's revenge because he's being reincarnated as a continent Yes. Or maybe it only works on very specific people. Maybe maybe this is all a really long play. Like, The Ring was actually 
created specifically to kill like some specific person in the future, and it'll only it's, work on them, it, and it works on their DNA uh, in some way that it triggers uh, a terrible death yeah. after a week. But everybody else is immune. Uh, the 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 next like dictating world ruler is going to be a fan of both Japanese horror films and uh, Wagner, and this is the person that it is meant to assassinate many years into the future. Exactly, I, th- I think that's a I think that's a really plausible explanation. Uh, just like all my other explanations, everything I've said makes. <laughs> Total sense. I, I, I'm picturing you <laughs> delivering this whole thing with like a towel on your head and just pointing at a copy of the DVD. <laughs> the towelhead guy. Who the fuck? Yeah. What, what was it? What was it with a towelhead guy? I mean, it, it comes at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we she sees a reflection in the TV that's off of a man standing with a towel over his head pointing. Well, at, at the her end, purse. It's, it's supposed to be Ryuji. No, yeah, it, yeah, it's supposed it, to be her ex-husband. Yeah. Uh, but in the in the actual video, I don't know who it's supposed to be or or. Because I mean, if if we take the that that the video is just you know um, Sadako's uh, what do you call it suffering like last moments in 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 the well being beamed out into like the 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 airwaves because she's got like the imprinting power thing, um, you know it, it could just be like unrelated or related ish images uh, that you know, misinterpreted or like, you know, this is just the way her brainwaves come out because it's just, she's dying and and then things are like really scrambly over there. It's, it's, it's sort of like, you know, when a, when a computer, you know, craps out in a movie and it just spits out a bunch of random messages to the screen, sure. you know, they don't really, they don't really mean anything um, because it's that, you know, something got lost in translation there. Which to some extent, we're sort of talking about Jacob's ladder again here with the idea of the strange, surreal mishmash of dying thoughts argument. Yeah. Uh, so this is, in fact, this is just still Jacob hallucinating. Yes, yes. We 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 are actually uh, experiencing a very long form, surprisingly banal, uh, uh, dying hallucination here. Uh, All taking place during the crucifixion of Christ. No, 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 no. Just it, like it's Philip A. Dick actually said. us. We died somewhere in the middle of Hellraiser Nine. We both just simultaneously died of, of boredom. <laughs> That was um, our ring movie, except instead of in seven days, it's wild like right watching. now. Yeah, and so we're the like the entire like the last because think about it the, the 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 our podcast here we have such films to show you started off really coherent and focused. We were watching the Hellraiser movies, and then suddenly we start just veering all over the place. We're watching some sort of related movies that maybe they have something to do with it, maybe they don't. Hey, it's Doug Bradley. He was in that, but now he's in. And then we just went off went off like crazy. Now we're watching. You know, we watched. You know, basically funny movies where we're, we're, we're you know, existential horror instead of like you know horror horror. This is all our brains are dying. It's it's you know, and and that'll be the last thing we ever watched is is Hellraiser Nine, and that's so sad. I'm yeah, I'm really maybe experiencing it's, uh, a, a, a come down now. Yeah, maybe it's uh, what do you call it? It's um, oh fuck, I lost it. I lost the thread. <laughs> <laughs> this has been some pretty aggressive podcasting here. I'm feeling really good about what we're uh, accomplishing, but uh, I, I think we can forgive ourselves if uh, if we uh, <laughs> lose the plot a little bit after such an effort. Yeah. Um, oh, no, what I was going to say is that after a number of those Hellraiser and definitely the Prophecy movies, I had that same face that uh, Reiko had <laughs> after watching the videotape of just like the gaping eyed mouth open what why i don't feel good sort of thing uh exactly 
Ran, ran, know, random factoid, the, the, the cabin uh, is numbered B4. Before. Yeah, I was, is, is that a pun? Was that a pun? Because I wrote it down in my notes. Is this a pun? I don't know. It could have been a total accident, but I like to I think it I was. I really would not put it past them. I, I just, I, I, I've long since like stopped considering anything in a movie as an accident. Like <laughs> e- e- even the most haphazard movies, like somebody had to show up and put that thing there. So that that that, that had to have been a pun of some kind. I do want to re- turn really briefly to the man with a towel on the head because in the video, who was the man in the mm-hmm. video? And at the end, when we've got the ex-husband's ghost apparently pointing, he's helping. He's like letting her know, oh, hey, it's the video. It's the copy of the video is why you're not dead. You know, it like, feels like he's actively trying to intervene to help her out a little bit there. Uh, so who was the guy in the, in the evil video itself with pointing? And what was he pointing at? You know, that's, that's part of the question that I, I forgot to go. I want to go and look at it again. And I forgot to review the order of scenes there, but like he's, he's pointing at something. What's he pointing at? You know, slightly off screen. Yeah. So, uh, that's a, that's an open question that I didn't come up with an answer for myself. Uh, apparently this movie references straw dogs, but IMDB does not make it clear how or when. (laughs) Thanks IMDB. I've never seen straw dogs. So I, I can't, I can't help. Uh, let's see. I had some other notes. Uh, we've covered most of my big galloping ridiculous ideas, but I, I did also watch the film and enjoy it, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I was going to say Infinite Jest is another thing that seems like it ties in thematically. Have you read Infinite Jest? Do you know the story? I tried and I didn't, and I don't remember why I stopped. It was it didn't have anything to do with like the quality of the literature itself, and now I feel like I just... I don't think I will ever find the time to do that. Yeah. Well, what, I think that, I missed my window there until I'm like, you know, very old and retired <laughs> and I have nothing but time. It's, it's a lot of book to get through. Uh, well, the, the, the core thing that you may or may not have gotten as far as is that there was I got this, eight pages into it. Oh, yeah, that you, then, then you didn't. In Infinite Jest, Infinite Jest is a reference, uh, among other things, to the title of a series of films that uh, the father figure who is a dead absence throughout the book because he, he's killed himself by sticking his head... Uh, in a microwave, uh, which is a nice modern versus uh, traditional uh, suicide with oven, oven thing. Uh, but anyway, uh, he had been making a series of films, um, and apparently one of them, like, like eventually he got it right, and what he got right was a film that was, I guess, basically so compelling that if you watch it, you never want to do anything else again. You just want to keep watching it uh, forever. Uh, and uh, the implication is maybe that he watched his own film and killed himself because of obsession or maybe because of, you know, guilt over what he'd done. But there was a whole, there was a whole, like, a uh, like, like, it's been a long time since I've read, so the details are shaky, but there's people interested in this. I, I feel like the FBI is doing controlled experiments with it, or maybe there was this radical secessionist Quebecan sort of like, uh, ra- like, like radical terrorist group. Uh, that may have had custody of it or trying to get custody of it. Uh, There may have been a a meeting between a member of that and like the Canadian authorities. Uh, But but anyway, so, so this, this, you know, it's essentially the same sort of territory as this film that is so powerful that it's incredibly dangerous. And the idea of broadcasting it is, is toyed with there as well. Um, So yeah, there's, I feel like there's a little bit of resonance there for, for folks who have, have read the book. Um, just as a little aside. And see, now I'm trying to think of what else had like things that you looked at. Oh, okay. So, um, 
back in the late 90s, I want to say, um, there was this guy named Adam Chow. I, it's probably pronounced Chow. Um, who had a... He was a, he was a video artist, um, and he produced these really, really crazy, like, almost epileptic... Like, I would not watch these things if I was epileptic or even, like, consider myself at a risk of being epileptic, but they were just, like, video art where he mashed up, like... Um, Simpsons stuff um, and uh, just Chinese Chinese film and just like you know crazy trippy like generated video art stuff into these you know collages that were about a half hour long each and were just like these blinking noisy messes um, and it was called I, I don't know if to pronounce it if it's pronounced Madame Chow's or Madame Chaos because he took the name off of the name of a restaurant in an episode <laughs> of The Simpsons um, but if, it's, if it was called Madame Chaos that would be I the, the, there's definitely precedence for that and um, so it was like this incre- and they aired it on a uh, public access in Brooklyn along with like you know people's homemade horror movies and shitty talk shows um, and I remember tuning into this thing one time at like 11 o'clock at night just like by myself in the house and I was just like what is going on in here and I had like completely forgotten about it, it was really difficult to find anything about it on the web because he had like a really basic website he had a um, he had a DVD of his stuff out or like a videotape of his out called it was called Ancient Chinese Cathode Ray <laughs> Um, and he did a lot of, uh, I actually asked about this on Metafilter and apparently he did like a lot of like live video art stuff. Um, but, uh, eventually I was working at a, like a, at a punk store in a, in the East village and we had a couple of TVs there that were just set up for customers to look at, not us. They were just like, you know, mounted overhead and we had a bunch of punk videos that we put on. And then I found like, I found a videotape that just said, you know, uh, Madame Chow's on it. And I was just like, wait, really? And it just like, it had just, it was like one of those really short videotapes that had just enough actual tape on it for the thing. Yeah. So it was clearly like, I think it was not, not a master, but it was, I think he like had made that thing. Um, and, you know, I used to play it in the store and it would be crazy. And I was sad because I never actually picked up the tape. But now it, I watching this just be like, hey, I wonder what happened to that crazy ass thing I used to watch. And it looks like he's been uploading all of the episodes to YouTube over like the last year or so. Oh, nice. And so they're all up there and they are fucking nuts. And uh, they're just, you know, I, I, I wouldn't in, I, I wouldn't really like assume that anybody would actually be able to get through like a half hour of it if if you didn't literally had nothing else to do and you were maybe like really high you could um but even then i wouldn't suggest it but yeah that it just like the the movies reminded me of that now i can tell everybody about like the wonderfulness of adam chow's video art yeah um so yeah uh we'll link that in the in the show notes um or the tumblr post yeah definitely um because it's awesome, and it might be haunted. I don't know. You know, it could be. Maybe, maybe you'll watch those, and maybe in seven days, instead of dying, um, you'll just think it's really cool. You'll, in seven days, you'll wake up from a weird dream based on a thing you watched on yeah. YouTube. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say another thing. Uh, uh, Angela looked this up after we watched it because she was curious about the the mountain, the volcano Mount Mahara that uh, Shizoku, the, the mom, threw herself in 40 years ago to kill herself, mm-hmm. it, it, it adds a weird little resonance and actually takes a little bit of preposterous edge off of that notion of killing yourself by throwing yourself in a volcano to know that this is actually a volcano that a ton of people killed themselves by jumping into. Like, apparently <laughs> there, was, there was like a suicide craze back in the 30s. Like, hundreds of people were jumping into this thing every year. 
uh, for for several years, and I think it still remains a place where people will go. Although they may, have, I think they put up some fencing to try and make this not so much an issue. But yeah, so her throwing herself in the volcano is a little bit less crazy, dramaticest thing you could ever imagine, and a little bit more. Yeah you know suicide booth from futurama it's like it, that's actually oh well that's you live yeah. uh on uh oshima or whatever it was you're near the volcano <laughs> you want to kill yourself eh, you go to the volcano sure you know it, it actually it takes a weird little punch out of that which yeah. i thought was really interesting and maybe that's something that's kind of well known i mean uh i mean the suicide culture over there is hey look another chef uh, it was because i mean you know they've got the suicide forests where it's just a forest where you go to kill yourself do you, do you know about this? I think I have heard something of this. Yeah, and there's, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, there, there, there's stuff there of like the people who died and remains and like notes and then like other notes that say, hey, you can still leave the suicide forest. You don't have to kill yourself. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just that it's suicide just has a much different dimension. So. Yeah, I was mean, like, I, I throwing yourself into a volcano to kill yourself, like you know, just offhand, and you know, living in a country that doesn't have a lot of active volcanoes, and definitely not any easily accessible ones by the general public. Wait, do we have any volcanoes in America? Uh, yes, I, I don't know offhand if we have a whole lot of, like, I, I don't know that we have any big smoking open lava lake caldera sort of situations right. going on which is the big thing but uh, yeah. we have plenty of volcanoes we have that's where our, our mountains mostly come from yeah uh, yeah i mean Mount I, St. I, helens I, was yeah. uh, you know, oh, getting all yeah. fussy yeah. in the last you know decade as you may recall i mean maybe we just don't hear about it and there's just like millions of people killing themselves every year just by throwing themselves into the hoover dam or the grand canyon <laughs> or off mount rushmore it's it, just it, one of these other like iconic uh monuments slash tourist attractions well well there's cer- there's certainly plenty of, of fencing at most of these like, like like i was up we went to seattle recently just for the hell of it and went to the space needle because neither of us had been up that in years and years and i was like well let's go up the space needle and uh and as i had recalled last time i was there you know it's it's really it's fenced in. You can go out and, and look around, but if you want to commit suicide, you're gonna have to bring some you know serious wire cutters and move fast uh, to jump off that thing because it's like yeah, it's it's a high up tourist attraction that's open air. You put up a fence, you know, you, you it, almost no one is gonna kill themselves, but you don't want to deal with the ones who are, so you put up a goddamn fence, and that pretty much takes care of the problem. So. I have a feeling that most of the places in America where there could potentially be people throwing themselves off of a building and where it happens, mm-hmm. you get a fence. You get a fence, you get a net, you discourage it. Uh, which let's, let's have a lengthy dalliance on uh, impulsivity and suicide. Let's, let's talk about that for a while. Uh, in uh, Japanese train stations, they uh, installed, um, you know, like on the walls opposite the, uh, opposite the platform, they installed mirrors that apparently keep people from killing themselves because they actually have to watch themselves uh, do it. You can't just do it and, like, you know, close your eyes and jump in front of the train. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could, but you still have to, like, at some point see yourself doing this. And apparently that works yep. somewhat. I, a, a couple other little notes from the film. Um, well, at, at one point, apparently, I wrote in all caps thinking about the datedness of the technology. Ringu 2014, after watching a creepy vine, you get a tweet telling you that in seven days, your <laughs> Gmail account will be hacked. Um, but uh, but, but, but uh, <laughs> as actual film uh, analysis... You wouldn't uh, believe what happens to this five minutes after you watch this vine. <laughs> <laughs> Stop! Worth the article oh, is what Jesus. kills everybody, yes. not the fine itself. 
except for nobody reads it because they're like, oh, I'm so fucking tired of Upworthy. Um, that, that was, that's actually why Upworthy was invented by someone who knew that this could happen. And so they created something so eventually tedious and intolerable that they could fulfill the contract of sharing it to keep themselves from dying, but they could also make sure no one would click through because they're just fucking tired of that shtick. Except for some jackass would click through because they're new to the internet and then they post it on Facebook and then we get Maybe a sequel. This whole movie is just like a preci- uh, prescient metaphor for being like an asshole Facebook user who keeps like reblogging or, uh, you know, like sharing <laughs> all of the dumb shit they see. Where it's just like, look, you see that if you share too many things, you might kill somebody you like by accident or you might perpetuate this horrible cycle. So exactly. just stop. Folks, if you're tired of your elderly relatives sending you email forwards inappropriately, tell them to watch this movie and then they'll understand. Uh, the, I think they'll, they'll take the hint. Um, so in the scene where uh, Yoichi, the, the little kid, finally watches the movie, uh, uh, they're staying out at Grandpa's or something? I don't remember where they were exactly, but uh, uh, the mom wakes up to the sound of uh, presumably Tomoko, her niece's ghost, saying, Auntie. And then she, she wakes up and, and she looks over and there's a figure in her son's bed. And I couldn't really make out what it was. It looked like just someone laying there uh, darkly. But uh, in any case, then she looks again, and it's not there, and she goes and opens a sliding door, and there's Yoichi watching the video cassette. Yep. Um, and he and says, uh, Tomoko told me to watch it, uh, or something like that. And I, That's another ghost? Yeah, yeah. so, so Tomoko's around. And on the one hand, like, like, like my immediate thought is that maybe Tomoko is just being a goddamn jerk then. Like, yeah. which again, I mean, there's, there's, there, there's that tendency to have just sort of like angry, restless, vengeful spirits seems to be a big thing with like Japanese ghost stories. Whereas we tend to have a little bit more of a, either you're a good ghost or you're a bad ghost and the good ghosts are actually trying to help sort of thing. So it might be a little bit muddier here, but, but one read I had on that is that this mm-hmm. is actually maybe Tomoko realizing maybe she is trying to help and she knows that this cycle is problematic and maybe she's been watching uh, the protagonist enough to know that 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 she's not fundamentally invested enough in tracking the story down, and so Tomoko tells Yoichi to watch the movie, and then wakes up uh, the main lady and tells her, you know, hey, you know, basically to get her see that her son has watched the video. So then she'll be like, that'll be the thing that pushes her over the edge to really fundamentally just being all about solving this and really investing in it. And so maybe maybe it was just some tough love to give her the push she needed to to really track this whole situation. Yeah, it's like, a, like in Jacob's ladder where it's like the things that are hurting him are actually helping him. So exactly. it could be like, exactly. Except this time she's just helping herself by hurting people, but yes. you know, in a way that won't necessarily, you know, bring any physical harm to people, plenty of psychological harm, but you know, that's, yeah, we, 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 we got liquor for that. Yep. Um, now, see, now I'm thinking, the the ghost that told him to watch it was it actually like because we we don't actually know anything about like what happens to the ghosts of the people that die uh, watching it like are they then you know doomed to to make people other people watch the movie as they would be in life if they knew how it worked yeah or yeah, or um was it just Sadako's ghost like sort of taking the form of that one because that's what she can do which is you know equally has no basis in it so it's not really clear because i mean like the whole thing 
like the way because the the movie bookends on just like people explaining how this thing works to somebody else and like some really just like just straight up exposition explaining. Um, and you know, so when the when the the girl originally with Masami, I think, uh, explains it to Tamako, she doesn't mention the part where you have to copy it, and like that part doesn't become part, and none of the girls mention that part. So you know, uh, I, I guess that part is discovered later on, and then it becomes part of the rumor. Yeah, I because like because I mean, before that, it, you know, at no point does anybody reveal that. The, so now I'm wondering, like, is there like a bunch of these videotapes out there and some of the people know that you have to copy it and some of them don't? Or like, is that something that's discovered and then it's passed on with the discovery? Because, I mean, once you know it, you you can't tell the person that's going to watch it unless they're willing to die to save you, which I think is what the ending was kind of hinting at, was that, you know, she was going to get like, um, you know, their grandfather to kill himself for to save Yurichi, which... Um, you know, like, the, I mean, you heard about that thing uh, that happened, like, after Fukushima with all, like, the elderly Japanese people that oh, were, like, willing yeah, to go to in do. there to clean up because yeah, they're like, like, hey, you know, I'm old. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to die I'm before done. I get a chance to get real good cancer anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. So it could be one of those things where it's just like, it's like, you know, it's like, well, would you, you know, you're old. Would you kill yourself for a grandson's like, well, I mean, if I have to, I guess. Yeah. So it could be one of those things. But, like, otherwise, if you don't have that kind of person, you can't tell anybody that that's what's going to save you. Yeah. Um, and now I'm wondering, how did those teenagers get it in the first place? Somebody had to pass on that videotape to them, right? Well, it was sitting in the office. Maybe maybe just... Well, I think it was sitting in the office because maybe they forgot it there or something. Or they, nobody wanted to take it back because it was so fucking creepy. Maybe. Um... Well, but I think I think the videotape must have been produced in that cabin in the first place because like it's the cabin only. Oh yeah, because well the she projected. So, yeah. so I think it maybe just keeps knocking yeah. around the office because like ah, someone left a video. I guess I'll put it on here and then. And then you think somebody little... would have watched it? Maybe there's like a lot of staff turnover and nobody knows why, and they just have never <laughs> mentioned it. It's like oh, like somebody else died again. This is like the twelfth person this month. Well, and here's it's a... like every week somebody's dying. <laughs> here's a question: Do you have to watch the whole video? Like, like, like maybe if you only watch a piece of it, nothing happens mm. to you. Maybe that, you have to see the whole thing start yeah. to finish. Maybe Sadako is really, she's really a purist about the medium. And she's like, no, no. She, like, she always listens to the entire albums. Yep. She never fast forwards, you know, and, and she watches a movie start to finish. And so she feels like you have to have that commitment before she's willing to curse you. So like, she has it, movies it, on vinyl. Don't know how yeah. it works, but <laughs> so so yes, yeah, so you can actually do that. Actually, they, they, did you notice that the uh, the the, the cut that uh, Yoichi watched is different than the cut that the rest of them watched? Because the rest of them at the, at the end of the movie, nothing happens. Like it's just a shot of the well. When Yoichi watches it, you see uh, Samara's uh, Sadako's body start peeking out of there. Yeah, it's subtly different several times. When 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 uh, the ex husband watches it, he. Mm-hmm. The viewing that we get to see of him viewing it, uh, I, I think it's that one. There's just a little bit of her hair starting to come out, and then when Yoichi watches it, we get the hair and we get a little bit of arm coming out. Um, so it, it's actually, I feel like it's different every time we see it, and it sort of progresses in a way that I couldn't come up with any satisfying explanation for, other than "ooh, it's a haunted video" because that plus it's effectively creepy to get hints throughout the movie. So, so yeah, I feel like I feel like it wasn't the same twice. Any of the times we got to see it, it, it kept subtly adding a little bit more. Right. Um, so, you know what? This movie would have. I, I. You know what? I would really have benefited 
uh, watching this movie would have benefited me if I was able to do. Read Japanese. There's a lot of text in this movie, and very little of it was translated in the subtitles that I read. Yeah. Like, when she uh, pulls out, like, the article about, like, the two kids, and, you know, there's, like, a shitload of uh, Japanese text there, and it's, like, you know, two teenagers, you named this guy and that girl, 17 and 19, died in a car. I'm just like, no, that definitely says more than that. <laughs> yep. And then, you know, when they're watching, like, the part of the videotape that's got all, like, all the letters swimming around, and it just says eruption, I'm just like... No, I'm pretty sure it says something else. <laughs> and then when it um when you see like the big wall of videotapes, like I will bet you that there is some like coherent theme to all those videotapes. Like even if it's just, you know, enjoy uh, our our springs or maybe it's all horror movies or something and I feel like I missed out on that. Um, yeah. And then, you know, like they're watching the video tape. It's like, you know, what's it say? It's like, oh, it, it's too blurry to tell on this television. I'm like, is it? Was <laughs> I, I said supposed eruption. to know that? Doesn't yeah. it say eruption? Uh, yeah, no, I'd be curious to know what the content of the uh, the, the dancing uh, words was. Uh, so if you speak Japanese that. or if you read Japanese, I mean, I assume if you read it, you'd be able to speak it, right? I don't know. Anyway, if you understand, if you can read Japanese and you can tell us what all of the Japanese text in this movie says, or if there's a website I could maybe Google right now to see if there's translations of it. Um, if you want to be a producer for We Have Such Films <laughs> to Show You for no money at all um, and let on our know. schedule, yeah, yeah let yeah, us know because we line. desperately need a producer. We'll, we'll Skype <laughs> you in and you can uh, do menial tasks whenever we demand it. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully you live in Brooklyn so you can get me a glass of water or something. Um, I, I, I want to I talk a little bit more about the idea of uh, Sadako's uh, range. Uh, because cause the kids who died, this, we, we find out a couple of kids died parking. Like, pointedly not in a car accident. They were just parked in a car and they found them dead. Uh, and they presumably did not have a TV with them. And they presumably weren't particularly close to a TV because they were probably parked out in the woods. So it feels like Sadako really likes to use TVs as a gateway, I guess. Uh, the fact that she turns the TV on mysteriously in the opening scene uh, before then presumably coming out of it to, uh, to, to kill Tomoko. Um, she likes the TV thing. We see the TV thing at the end. We finally get the big reveal of her, that cool coming out of the TV screen effect. Um, and yet she couldn't have come out of like like did she did she find the nearest tv screen to these kids crawl out of it and then walk a half a mile like just crawl out of someone's tv and you know if they were around she was like hey sorry i just i, I gotta go do a thing and they're like oh, just knock first next time then she wanders out the door wanders through the woods finds the car and scares the hell out of them you know, yeah that's I, I, what, I think you can avoid that death if you just avoid ever being near a TV again but maybe the movie is a comment on how hard that is to do because I you know if if, if I found out that something was going to come out of the TV to kill me and the only solution was to get away from any TV ever again yeah. and never be alone in the presence of a TV again that'd be difficult I don't, I don't know if I can pull that yeah. off and I, still live a life what if what if what if a radio is a good enough band like what if what if like audio is a sufficient channel for the terror. Like, like the, you mentioned the sound design of this film is great. Yeah. Um, and, and so the creepy, like rusty gate creaking noises we hear several times throughout the film in, in, in sort of in proximity to Sadako's creepiness. Uh, maybe, maybe they were listening to the radio and making out and then the pop station turned into just the sound of Sadako and, and, and maybe, you know, she sort of just came out through that and killed them that way. Uh, 
Right. So like not not preferable, but she'll make it work. Like maybe maybe similarly, she's willing to kill you with a really low bitrate MP3. <laughs> she doesn't like all that, you know, artifacting, but uh, but she'll do it because she's on a mission to you know. Victory. Maybe if you're listening to the radio, just like only a hand comes out of it and just starts grasping, and if you can get away <laughs> from that hand, like the speaker just starts jumping at you, like motivated yeah. by itself. It, 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 the, it becomes a lot more slapsticky the smaller your television is because she's just like fuck I can't get out of this oh god damn it and just like two arms reaching out at you flailing yep. um, so yeah there, you, you have to have a very precisely sized television to actually die of, uh, of this otherwise it just becomes a uh, slapstick comedy now the, 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 big, the big effect at the end of the 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 movie when she comes out mm-hmm. of the we we see her come out of the TV screen and chase down mm-hmm. ex hubby, um, and we get a nice you know her hair coming through and her bizarre twitchy wrongness and her missing fingernails and the the twitchy wrongness I'm kind of curious how they shot do you think I'm guessing maybe like they shot it backwards at a high frame rate yep. maybe um, yeah so there there's actually an explanation of it on the Wikipedia entry. Um, special effects in the cursed video. No, that's not it. Uh, here we go. One part of the film with the extended visual effects were used. The ghost of Sadako climbs out of the television. First, they shot a kabuki theater actress walking backwards in a jerky, exaggerated motion. Then they played the film in reverse. Ah, well, that's that's so, kind of how it felt. Yep. So yay, go yep. me, go me for having a good intuition. I guess um, ah, there was there was there was some other little. Thing. I don't remember exactly. You know, I, I want to talk about. Well, we could talk about this when we in, in detail if we do the watch and discuss ring sub thing. But but in short, I feel like the kid had a little bit more active a role in the American version, and not that he was like written to be a different character in that. Just I think like a number of other things, they made it more explicit because he definitely has some weirdness in this movie. And there's a moment near the end where ex-hubby is being killed by Sadako, and then we just cut to Yoichi sitting in Grandpa's yard, presumably, just sitting there, uh, you know, nice green grass, and he just sort of looks up like he knows some shit. Just Did you down. notice that he was drawing what looked like a, just like a head with long black hair? I did not notice that. I, I mean, I think that's what it was, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll take a screenshot for the other uh, thing. Yeah. But uh, but in the American film they they bring him in a little bit more. But I don't think he necessarily knows more in the American film. He just talks about it because uh, it's a really great moment in the American version at the end uh, where the in, instead of us finding out that you shouldn't have tried to help Sadako in the well because it didn't actually save you and you know your ex husband's getting killed after all they they get a lot more on point with it in the American version where Naomi Watts is talking to her son and. Uh, she's basically telling him we're still in the afterglow of everything's going to be okay before the twist uh, false ending of horror film thing. She's (laughs) sort of like hugging him in bed and telling him everything's okay and that she found Sadako and that she helped her. Uh, And the kid just freaks out because he's like, what? You shouldn't help her. You know, he's immediately terrified. And that's, it's a great moment because you just go, oh, fuck. Like, it's not like that there's another one out there or something. It's that you right. actively really did the wrongest thing you could <laughs> while thinking that you were making it better. And the kid being just terrified and that translating to her worked really well in that. And we didn't really get that in this. You know, he was more passively just sort of there. But still, there's that little moment of him having that seeming sense of awareness there that I felt like 
tied into the same thing. So yeah, in this movie, Yorichi seems to have he there there was almost no reason for that character to exist outside of motivation for his mother, and then that part was just so apparent that I'm I'm wondering if I'm missing something there. Like I mentioned before, like the kid is just she neglects the hell out of him. Yeah. And like at one point he says, I want to go back to school because apparently <laughs> his grandfather isn't even taking him to school. He's out of the um, way a bit, you know. Yeah, so it, I'm just, I'm just wondering if it was just like, you know, hey, what if, what did that kid get saved from exactly? Not starving to death? Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> seems to be the extent of his life um and also he doesn't greet his father do, do you think he knows that's his father when he encounters him on the street i don't know because when we're introduced to uh ryuji um you know the where you you see uh you see uh the, the kid and he's like leaving the house and like pouring pouring rain with his like comically oversized adult umbrella and then you just see him and Ryuji just like standing there in the street both with umbrellas and they make eye contact and they both just and then the kid keeps walking and then Ryuji keeps walking but there's no exchange and I'm wondering it's like you know does he know uh you know is he like not fond of him is, am I just like missing something once again about that like the nature of that exchange because they don't really acknowledge each other verbally or you know in any way emotionally so yeah I'm just wondering what the hell was up with that because yeah, well, that I, was I, definitely like a scene that you're you're meant to see that like they, they that scene exists for a reason it's not just like one of those just like oh you know he's he's coming into the house we got to have footage of it it's that that it's a scene scene yeah so. Yeah, I, I, my read was that they've been estranged for a while. Like, this is not a super recent breakup. So, with Yoichi being as young as he mm-hmm. is, yeah, he probably just. I, my my feeling is ex husband hasn't really been around to be dad at all, and doesn't really register on an emotional level so much as maybe it's a known fact that this is your dad. Right. Um, and is Yuji sleeping with his student? They didn't really say either way there, but it kind of it felt there was definitely fly. like an air of jealousy. Uh, yeah. with her when, when she was watching them interact, but I don't know if it was one of those just like she's got a crush on him and he just needs help sort of things or if it's a reciprocated kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I, I think it was intentionally left there just as a bit of ambiguity uh, <laughs> was my, my feeling on it. Um, yeah. There was this there was this line uh, late in the film uh, when they're on the island and uh, trying to figure out what's going on and they have that vision of the old ESP experiment and the reporter being murdered. Uh, where, where at one point I think I think it's her who says this, but it might have been ex-husband. But one of them says something like, "You know, maybe we should all three of us die." You know, meaning, mm-hmm. meaning her and him and the kid. Uh, we shouldn't have had a kid in the first place. Which, you know, super dark, obviously, yeah. but also kind of an interesting narrative parallel to maybe what was going on with Sadako. Like, you know, the idea that uh, uh, the Shizoku kills herself, and then mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Iwata, you know, clubs. Uh, Sadako and, and dumps her in the well and seals it up. Um, it's sort of like, yeah, the same sort of notion of, of uh, regret and despair and thinking, oh, you know, all this is terrible. We, we should all just, we should never have had a kid. We should never have done this. Um, right. Which maybe, maybe again with the emotional resonance, maybe they were more <laughs> despairing than they otherwise should have been because they were being affected by the emotional memory of the terribleness at the place they were at. I don't know. It's a little, yeah. just a little thought. Yeah, because we never really know how many times they flash to that. And, like, 
I think one of the times, yeah, when they remembered like the press conference thing, like it, uh, it definitely felt like they were experiencing in a way that they were actually there, there, and it wasn't just like a vision. They were, you know, almost transported. I mean, it was clearly a vision, but it was like more. It was like less a thinky vision and more a feely vision, basically. Yeah. Also, I had a theory early on before I figured out that the play in Brian Goblin's Be Thine thing was probably referring to Shizoku in the Sea. Uh, mm. Because we didn't really know about that, and I don't remember that. Uh, I was I was hoping that maybe the idea of brining was a reference to being stuck in the well, and that sadako mm. was a Japanese word for pickle. But uh, <laughs> I haven't fact checked that, so I think we should assume that's the case. I think I think that's probably. Uh, I'm glad I didn't suffer that confusion because yes. I know every Japanese word for pickle, <laughs> or at least two. <laughs> there is oshinko. And then there is the other one that I can't remember at the moment, but it's not Sadako. Also, apparently the uh, so um, Sada the the Sada part of her name that you also see like closed up in the like when you see the her eye yeah, in, the in the video when there's yeah. like that character it means chaste. Hmm. So there's that. Well, there you go. That works thematically. Uh. <laughs> I think that's all of my notes. Oh, actually, you know, there were two things in the, the credits. Uh, the, the credits were almost entirely untranslated and almost entirely in Japanese, but little bits <laughs> of English in there. And, and one of the bits of English in there, there's something called Pony Canyon was involved. Yeah, in the, the uh, Pony Canyon, the, uh, they, they made a lot of Nintendo games. Um, oh, wait, did you... I literally uh, have no idea if uh, you're joking. So. Oh, you have no idea. Okay, yes. Pony Canyon, um, it's a media company uh, in Japan, and they have uh, they they've made quite a number of video games. They 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 uh, also what do you call it? Publish Western a bunch of Western video games in Japan. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, there, there's there's some there's some media companies with some really weird ass names over there. Uh, Culture Brain is my favorite. Oh yeah. That's my favorite Japanese company name is Culture Brain. There was also someone or something in the title in the credits named Scoop Man. So Scoop Man was partly responsible for the ring too. That's but, just a guy that picks up poop. I'm going to assume so. It's like the it's like the honey wagon discovery that they made back <laughs> during the Hellraiser. Uh, have you forgotten this already? Maybe, yeah. maybe I looked it up and and maybe I didn't even mention it. I think I I think I brought it up. Probably somewhere in the middle of the Hellraisers, I noticed one of the films credited a honey wagon and i was like what the fuck is a honey wagon and i looked up and it turns out it's a mobile pooper it's a it's a it's a shitter on wheels so used in movie sets. <laughs> oh, it's like closet feces in places i, I think I, I think it's a it's a rolling outhouse it's like oh so, i see so, it doesn't okay yeah so specifically someone someone was the honey wagon driver their job was to drive the shitter around on the set so people could I, I thought they have like a it. machine to deposit feces <laughs> places for scenes and I was just like you don't need a machine for that just get you know a dog <laughs> yeah but you know you, you can only work a union dog so much and sometimes you need to reshoot the shoot uh, reshoot the shit yes uh <laughs> Yes, so that's probably that's probably what Scoop Man is. He's probably uh, he's probably a Sony Robotics project that wanders around uh, picking up poop on the set. So that people <laughs> don't even have to stop and use an outhouse; they can just poop right where they are, and then Scoop Man will deal with it. It's like going to a parade. <laughs> Actors are horses, is what I'm trying to say. That's why they call them workhorses. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> 
Well, I feel like we covered that pretty well. Yeah, I ran out uh, of notes a half hour ago. <laughs> I didn't even like specifically refer to most of my notes. I, like I, I did a lot of sort of like, and this happens, and this happens to keep myself reminding. But apparently, just making up shit about Aquaman is what I really wanted to do today. So, um, so we still got to figure out what the uh, Fire King Goblin and uh, the uh, Wind King Goblin are. Uh, we'll we'll try and track those down for a future episode. I'm going to say it's uh, the new Star Trek movie, the second one, not the first one, and uh, Eagle Eye starring Shia LaBeouf. Okay, that's it. okay. I think we solved it. There, there we're done. Um. <laughs> I did this. I don't even know how you pronounce his name. Is it LaBeouf? LaBeef? I think it's LaBeef. Uh, I hope it's LaBeef. I, I made a joke uh, on Twitter the other day that... Uh, Made, I've, I've made several Shayla Beef uh, jokes just because it's uh, apparently easy to do. But uh, this one I'm particularly proud of because it's, it's pretty oblique. It's Nun Pizza Le Beef, uh, which for anybody who knows Nun Pizza left beef, I assure you that's hilarious. And everybody else is like, I have no idea. What, you just think he doesn't want pizza? What are you talking about? Nun um, Pizza? What? It, <laughs> this is your homework, uh, both you, Yakov, and the listener. Just Google the phrase Nun Pizza, as in no pizza at all, Nun Pizza <laughs> Left Beef. I and have seen this. This is wonderful. Everybody do this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the greatest Now thing. I know what you're talking yeah. about. I thought so you were saying Nun Pizza, like pizza delivered by nuns. Yeah, I realized that after the fact that it's a problem. So, uh, so yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So none pizza left beef. Uh, watch that. Uh, leave us a, a, a rating and a review on, on iTunes if you have it already. Um, if, uh, or you'll die in seven I'm days. I'm looking at this picture and I'm just <laughs> laughing. So we have to make this. Uh, we'll, we'll post on the Tumblr. We'll post on Facebook. Uh, find the Facebook group if you want to suggest movies or talk about this or other movies. And, uh, and yeah, all we that have jazz. Now. We've got no movies. Uh, like we haven't. I mean, we we've got a lot of movies in the, in the lists. But if you if there's like a genre of movie you want to see or, or or see us cover something from that genre or a couple of some things from that genre, if you feel really strongly, um, we should do the Pee Wee Herman thing. Um, yeah. Or Planet of the Apes. Uh, <laughs> I don't want. To. I, I I could rewatch the original, but I don't like. The, the, you know what we can watch? Uh, we we can watch. Um, Revenge from Planet Ape. Did I tell you about this? No, I don't think so. Okay, so there's a, a Spanish, I think it's Spanish, either Spanish or Italian horror movie called Tombs of the Blind Dead. And they take, yeah, it's Spanish. Um, and they, you know, they take place uh, in like a castle or something and there's there's witches and, and Knights Templar and, and demons and stuff. And um, so I had a roommate who really loved like lots of different kinds of horror movies. So he had this on DVD. He's like, dude, you got to watch this trailer. And he puts it on and, you know, it's like a, it's like a, you know, like a Spanish castle, basically, and it's uh, and and the intro to it was just like you know, you know, millions of years into the future, um, you know, like the the apes take over planet Earth, and uh, you know, like after that, you know, they they get their revenge, and it's like revenge from planet ape, and that's that's how they marketed Tombs of the Blind Dead in America, apparently, as revenge from planet ape. It's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> So maybe, oh, no, I'm maybe, sorry, Revenge of the Planet Ape? No, it's Revenge from Planet Ape. Okay. Yeah. Got to get the details right. Well, yeah. maybe, 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 maybe that's what we'll do next fortnight. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll discuss it. We'll figure it out. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I'm spent. I, I, feel, like, I, I feel like I really uh, gave it my all uh, this morning. 
Yeah, I gotta I gotta go emerge from some headphones in in revenge for listening to this. Yeah. Uh, but I got like a week for that though, right? Yep. Sorry, I, sorry. I literally for just looked you. at my wrist for no reason. <laughs> I don't wear a watch. <laughs> It's where the psychic mark of a, a watch you once wore was, yeah. but then you threw it in a well. That's that. That's just a tan. Oh, maybe, maybe. Sh- may- mm. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with a joke about ghosts mm. and tans here. Maybe John Boehner is just really, really haunted. I'm just going to go with that. That's not tans are ghosts. John Boehner has like is it seven. Boehner, I thought it was pronounced Labeef. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. John John Labeef, uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives. Uh, <laughs> let's just stop. I don't know where we're going at this point. Uh, see y'all uh, in, a, in a couple weeks. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.